Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have Stephanie Overstreet on with us today. Um, Stephanie Overstreet is is a longtime friend of mine, um, fellow registered nurse. She's going to be sharing a little bit more about what she does, but we're actually having her on the show today to talk with me about navigating chronic illness and chronic symptoms from a place of hope. Um, Because this is something that we see with both of our client bases, but also different, you know, we've walked it out individually and together in different aspects of our lives and have just felt like this is a really necessary conversation um, as we pursue healing, right? There still has to be this kind of internal process that that we walk through. So Stephanie, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself today? Yeah, so I'm a registered nurse and a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I love to teach mamas how to have a more peaceful, supported postpartum grounded in the presence of God. And so we work, um, work closely together for three to four months and look at how do we approach postpartum from a holistic standpoint? So not just looking at some of the practical things like nutrition and support, which obviously are your starting place, but also looking at what are the foundational beliefs that I have, the mindsets that I'm carrying, the story that I'm telling myself, and also how well connected am I to myself, relationships with others and with God, really, because when we bring all of those things together, that's when we experience a much better, um, more supported, more enjoyable postpartum, which really the thing that I've seen across the board is that Mamas just want to enjoy their baby. They want to enjoy their children. And so this was kind of my um, goal is to hone in on that postpartum season, that first year after having a baby to really make that more of a more possible for other women. Absolutely. And you do it so well. I love the method that you use with your clients. And I think all the time, like, gosh, how much that would have changed. Well, both of us, like we would have had Mm -hmm. a completely different first postpartum experience with our children and, 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 you know, what you walked through in that, that initial postpartum experience is what led you to really birth this, you know, this beautiful process for people. Um, And I know for, you know, for both of us individually, it's what catalyzed so much of our own physical and emotional healing um, was what we learned in the, I mean, I know for me, and I know that's true for you, what we learned about ourselves And what we needed in that season um, and how it was drastically different than what conventional medicine provided us, right? It's you get that six week checkup and as long as the stitches are good, you're good. And it's like, that's not even 
close to <laughs> being healthy or even like that's like, you know, giving you a spoonful when you need a whole bucket. It's just not even not even. But mm -hmm. but I wanted to talk today a little bit about um, a little bit about how we um, how we one recognize that we're dealing with chronic illness because sometimes or a chronic health issue, because sometimes it can move very quickly from acute to chronic. Right. And we we don't recognize that we're there all of a sudden. Um, but how do we recognize that we're in that place of like, okay, now I'm dealing with a chronic health issue and you can share a little bit about what that journey has been like for you as a practitioner or what you've observed with your clients, um, that's helped you to navigate that, that place. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We were talking, you were talking about postpartum and I know for, actually I know for both of us, but in my journey, uh, I had had some chronic symptoms from already as a teenager. I needed to take naps after school as a child. Um, and then kind of fatigue was probably a, a common thing for me through um, college and in nursing school. And then I remember, you know, working night shift and just having some anxiety pop up and even some insomnia yep. because of the stress of that environment. And uh, however, I kind of managed to band-aid those symptoms and kind of pull it together and get through that season and even traveling with my husband and doing a lot of, you know, airplane travel and shifting time zones and things. I kind of managed to get through it with the fatigue, but it wasn't until I had my first baby. And after having her and during that postpartum season, that was when my health issues really took a turn. And I think with postpartum depression and anxiety, this is really, like you said, that experience is what birthed the peace method, which is what I guide women through with postpartum. Um, but I, it's because I saw in my own situation that there were definitely mental and emotional and spiritual factors that were contributing and work that needed to be done in those areas, as well as what was going on in my body, that those Yep. chronic symptoms were really going to come to a head because postpartum is kind of like that pressure cooker where yep. the stuff that you were able to kind of bandaid and keep beneath the surface for all of those course. years, the added stress of postpartum brings it to the surface. Yep. And so that, you know, this is something I talk about with my clients a lot, but it can be really, um, like can throw you off because you're not expecting to have anxiety or depression or sleep issues or all the things um, after you've just had a baby. Right. And yet it is an opportunity though. I will say now I've learned to see it as an opportunity where this is a chance for us to recognize, to take a step back and say, how did yes. I get here? Yes. What are the experiences in my life that brought me to this place? And then also like, okay, so now I have an opportunity to learn how to do some things differently. And so um, I kind of had to figure out that journey quite a bit on my own, but now right. it's really, it's a joy to be able to collapse time for other women and simplify that journey for them and Absolutely. working with them. 
No, I think yeah. you you landed on um you landed on on the point there, I think, which is that we don't just end up there, right? It's not just something that happens. Yeah. Like I thought mm-hmm. for some reason, I think just my perceptions on what I'd heard, like my mom and my aunts talk about postpartum. It's just this thing that happens and like nobody knows why it happens was my impression of that experience, right? But then, mm-hmm. you know, looking back very similar to you, it was like, I didn't get help with conventional medicine. I had to go find a naturopath who could put the pieces together. And he literally, he literally did a PowerPoint presentation and was like, this is the picture of your life. And all of the things, like he literally had this little character and he was like, these are all of the things that have led up to you getting to where you are right now. And half of them were things I didn't want to own. Honestly, I didn't want to own how stress was impacting me. I think there's very much, at least in the nursing profession, this culture that you take what comes to you and you handle it and you put on a brave face and you better not show that you need anything because we're there to serve. Right. And Mm -hmm. at least in my department, it was very much like you're less than if you go to a step down unit or something like that. So I, I definitely had mental roadblocks that, you know, and even some pride there, I would say that was keeping me from recognizing just how human I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that I had lost my dad five weeks after my daughter was born. Like, of course that's going to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been on antibiotics, like the majority of my life. So of course that's going to contribute as well. But I think, you know, especially when we're talking about chronic issues or all of a sudden they, now it's a chronic issue, Right. We don't ever just end up there. It's not typically just something that happens. There's multiple different facets that get us to that place. And so I don't know if you would feel comfortable sharing. Um, I know I can share a little bit from my own experience, but if you want to share a little bit about what that journey has been like for you in kind of unraveling, you know, those different pieces, because once you got out of postpartum, you know, you were out of that kind of that, um, dark place, right? That really difficult place. And now you're seeing, okay, some of these issues are really like, they're not going away. Um, and Mm -hmm. how do you navigate that from a place of overcoming, you know, that mindset of like a developing an overcoming mindset with that and having hope, um, in that place, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think that's a question. It's a common question. And especially like, how do you keep how do you not get to that hopeless place? How do you keep mm-hmm. the hope going when it's, when you are in it for the long haul? And I think that, so for me, um, my first baby was two or two and a half when I was diagnosed with SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And that's actually not a root cause condition. It's a condition that's secondary to other issues, especially related to chronic stress and um, chronic stress then shuts down your digestion and it alters your blood sugar regulation. So those were my two downfalls, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, where my digestion was breaking down and, you know, SIBO became a thing during that season. And then also the blood sugar dysregulation was the main driver of the fatigue and the different things that I'd had kind of my whole life. So, um, I realized at that point 
you know, yes, I kind of come out of the dark place, but now I'm like, I have this giant mess of all these years of stuff symptoms. And now what do I do? And so it has been a journey. And I think the biggest thing really is kind of keeping perspective. I think we have to, and this is what I love about what you do. You're so good at this, but we have to develop those rhythms for how do we steward our emotions in a healthy way how do and maybe you can speak to this in a minute but how do we give ourselves room to to process the feelings because we know if we just shove them in a closet they're still there yeah <laughs> unfortunately out. unfortunately yeah right yeah so it's with with chronic symptoms it's like how do I you know leave space for the emotions and process them, but not allow them to take over and how, and how do I keep perspective Mm -hmm. and how do I, yeah. Coming back to the realization of, Oh, this is a long game. Like this body is mine for the rest of my years on this earth. So it's going to take some time. I didn't get here overnight, like you said. And yep. so it's going to take some time to heal. And, you know, especially when you're told that something like SIBO is recurrent, right. I have chosen to um, accept that I just have to be sick. My right. perspective has always been um, that there's always, you know, more that can be done. And really that our God designed our bodies to heal. Yes. And our body is actually on the same team. So these are some of the things that I had to learn, which are these mindsets of it's a long game. Yes. My body actually wants to heal. And if I can give it the things, the support and the things it needs, it actually wants to be healthy. It doesn't want to exist in a state of sickness. A Mm -hmm. lot of it though, is having to learn how to get out of our own way. Yeah. Because a lot of times this is where I would love to save other women the hassle, especially postpartum. Yes. Um, a lot of times we do things that get in our own way, like yep. dieting and um, taking conventional advice that maybe we hear out there on social media or wherever. And so-and-so is saying it works for them. Yep. And so we try it and we think it's going to work for us. And then it's like, well, it didn't work. So there's something must be something wrong with me, you know, instead of realizing, no, I actually have to go on a journey of what does my body need? And I have to learn to speak my body's language because it has a language of its own. Yep. And it's like, we were talking about this morning. I have to actually be willing to be inconvenienced and actually take some intentional time to listen to my body. I think that I'm just now getting there. And this has been many years of chronic symptoms and many years. And I'm actually feeling better than I have in years because I finally learned to speak my body's language. I finally learned how to intentionally tune in and some adjustments based on what, what does my body need? Not what does, not what works for Susie, not what works for this diet program. Yes, exactly all the other things, right. (laughs) That we've learned the hard way. And it's like, when I tell people, I'm like, I've done it all. We literally like together have probably done it all. Like 
intermittent fasting and not realizing I had gut issues and adrenal issues that totally made all of those things worse. Right. And so that's a whole other topic for a different day, but learning to speak your body's language and learning, um, that your body's on the same team. And this is something that I have, you know, kind of tried to drill into my hormone clients over and over again. Like your symptom isn't there to annoy you. Um, it's not there to like, yes, it's frustrating, language, but it's there for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I'm just as guilty of this myself where I, you know, I ignore a symptom because it's not inconvenient enough for Mm -hmm. me, like to register on my radar. Like that happens to all of us, right. Where it's just not, it hasn't prioritized itself enough up here to where it's like, oh, I'm stressed or, oh, I'm not managing this emotional thing very well until the cart tips over. And then all of a sudden we realize there was a lot in that cart that I just, I thought I was managing well. And, um, and this, I think this is true for a lot of us in different seasons, right? Where we go through hard things or, you know, the, the burden, the emotional, physical, spiritual burden that mm-hmm. we weren't aware that we were carrying all of a sudden becomes too much. And the body's like waving the white flag, like somebody help me out, you know, and it comes up in all these very inconvenient symptoms, which for, you know, for, I know that you share about this, but like in postpartum, it, we have to do the inconvenient things of asking our partner to help us. And maybe that's really hard. Right. Um, maybe we haven't had those conversations. I know for me, I, felt like I had to prove how good of a mom I was. Um, there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, my husband did not need me to prove how good of a mom I was. He didn't know that I was having a hard time. And so had I learned like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to need naps. It's okay to have people come in and help me. Um, that would have, I mean, from an emotional standpoint alone would have done wonders, but from the physiologic standpoint, it's, you know, we have to address the belief systems that we have about meeting our needs as well. Um, especially when it comes to managing a chronic illness. And I will just speak about this from the perspective of raising a child with chronic illness, because that's primarily been kind of forefront, you know, front and center, um, of our life and how to maintain that position of hope and healing and contending for healing and not saying this is the end all be all. This is all it's ever going to be. Um, because to me that feels very hopeless and is just not a place I ever felt I could land. Like for me personally, that doesn't mean I don't accept the limitations of the diagnosis of pandas. Um, but what it means is I'm still going to keep moving forward in hope of giving my child a better life and giving our family a better life and not just going to sit back and take it. Right. Um, but with that, um, there, and I would say, I mean, just the friends that I have and myself included walking through different, you know, different illnesses and things, um, there does have to be, when we're talking about the emotional experience, there does have to be that place where we don't just power through and we don't Mm -hmm. just, just, you know, white knuckle it to the end where we have to say, I'm experiencing grief here because maybe we had a two month long regression that we didn't see coming. Um, and do you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I wasn't expecting that. I thought we're on this trajectory of healing. And now this new thing has come up 
And so really allowing that self-compassion to say, this is hard mm-hmm. and to say like, you know, I really don't like this. This is really hard. And I need to wrestle through and just kind of let my emotions kind of sift and sort their way out until Mm -hmm. I get back to that place of hope. Because the times that I've shoved it down and pretended that I wasn't in pain or pretended that it, that it didn't cause immense suffering as a Mm -hmm. mom to watch my child go through this thing or to watch my, my family go through this thing, I would be lying to myself and to God. And, and I would be ignoring all of the internal cues that I'm not okay, right? Which deserves to have a place. And our body does the same thing where it's like, hey, I'm not okay. We need to sort some things out here. And so I know for me, it's very much uh, mirrored that grief process of, you know, denial, bargaining, <laughs> acceptance, um, depression mm-hmm. and anger or anger and depression. And they all kind of you know, and if I were to just stop and label them and say, how dare you be depressed or how dare you be angry or judge myself for bargaining or judge myself for wanting to be out of the situation, um, I would be perpetually stuck there and Mm -hmm. it's not a fun place to be. And so I think, you know, and I'd love to hear how, how you personally have navigated that because I know you've done a lot of work there. Um, but we have to just allow the room for it because, Um, The reality is, is that we can't, as much as we can do, partnering with God, partnering with our bodies, partnering with our doctors, there is a timeline that we don't have control over, right? And that's, that in itself was like its entire own grief process, because I thought we would be healed at two years, right? (laughs) And here we are like four years in, and we're getting there, but it's not at all what I thought it would look like. Uh, We have to, uh, that in itself you know, receiving the diagnosis, walking through the grief of that and reconciling, what does that mean for me? And what am I willing to accept and not accept, um, has to be done, right? It has to, we have to allow for that. And, and the more that we can do that, I think the better able, it makes us to be able to handle flares or regressions, right? A flare up of symptoms, like for you, that might be SIBO, or maybe it's a mom who, walked through, you know, intense postpartum the first time and the second time had more of like a latent uh, response, right? And so she thought she made it through. And then all of a sudden there's this blip of something and it enables us to walk through that with a lot more grace for ourselves. Um, But also I feel like for me, it enables me to connect with the father a lot easier because I'm able to recognize, I don't have to push through this. He wants to meet me here. And you know what I'm saying? And that's going to help me to push through this, but I need to be present to what's happening in my body and my emotions right now. So that's been a little bit about my journey with that piece of things is just really allowing the emotions to be what they are. Um, But do you want to share a little bit about your, how you've kind of reconciled the emotions or allowed that to inform you even of, you know, your healing process? Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. And I think part of you've alluded to this and I, this is a whole topic in and of itself, but I think part of what enables us to um, build that resilience as we're facing something chronic or something that it's like, okay, this, this is a long game that I'm in. This isn't going to be fixed overnight. It really 
is figuring out where is our hope going to be anchored? Yes. Because if our hope is in our circumstances, if our hope is like for me in having perfect health or never having a SIBO relapse or even after, so I spent years after I had my first daughter really trying to take care of my health and get those symptoms to a better place. When I had my second baby, the house didn't burn down again. You know, I didn't want to put that suffering. So I, we have a six year age gap because I was intentional to make sure that when we did this again, we're not going to have everything go sideways. But the truth is like, if my hope was in a circumstance, like having a better postpartum the next time or getting out of chronic symptoms or whatever the circumstance may be, we're going to find that that's not going to sustain us because like you said, we can't control our circumstances. We can't control the timeline or how things play out. So it is like that foundational piece of, we have to find our hope somewhere else or in someone else, you know? And so that eternal perspective of the hope that we find in our relationship with Jesus, that really is kind of your thing that is grounding. And it's like what you're tethered to, you know? Absolutely. And so you, so when you have that, then you are able to kind of move into this place of processing the grief and giving the emotions space because you have this hope that you're able to come back to. And so Talking about the emotions part of it, I think that's definitely an ongoing journey. I think you're so right. We denial and all of those things are not going to be the best way to go about it. Um, but I think acknowledging those emotions yes. and just allowing those, just allowing them to be, you know, right. instead of fixing or you know, shushing or whatever kinds of things we do to try to, it really is kind of the process of learning to lean into the discomfort and really just allow the emotions to be what they are. But I do think too, there's something really powerful. And I think you do a great job of teaching this, but learning how in that place, like while we're acknowledging the emotions and we're present to them, but we also can point ourselves back to the truth. Yes. Because our emotions can be so they're real. Yep. They're not always true. Or right. I thought, you know, right. they're, they're not always true. No. <laughs> Sometimes I can feel like I'm never going to get better or I can right. feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. So I do have to come back to that guiding principle of what is true and what is hopeful filled and focusing yes. on the good praiseworthy things like Philippians four talks about. And yes. something that I think has been helpful for me, God gave me this illustration to use with my clients, but if it's like, if you were going to go on a road trip and let's say your destination, you're, you know, you're on the road trip through your postpartum journey or, or it could be through your chronic illness journey, you right. know, yes. um, or like for you walking your daughter through chronic illness, but um, we're, we're in the car <laughs> and, you know, you have kids in the car with you, right? Like, mm-hmm. so let's think of children, like the emotions, you know, yes. they're along for the ride. They're yeah. on the journey. <laughs> a really good analogy. Are we going to let the 
Are we going to let the kids drive the car? No, no we're not. Yeah. <laughs> so our emotions really shouldn't be the thing that's driving us, but are we going to ignore them? Absolutely not. Are we going to invalidate them? Are we going to shove them out of the car? Sometimes we want to, right? <laughs> you know, but yes, <laughs> sometimes like children, sometimes like children, the emotions can be really loud or really inconvenient. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're a part of the journey. Um, But what is that thing that's driving the car? That's actually going to point that that is the thing that tells us what direction to go, you know? And so for me, that map, if you will, or the navigation really is scripture and what God has to say. And so I have found that kind of taking the emotions along for the journey and learning how to steward them and care for them, care for that part of myself has been so important, but also recognizing that um, they're just part of the journey, but there right. has to be a guiding principle yes. <laughs> in place as well. Yes. Because sometimes I do have to, I read the Psalms and it is that reminder of like, I will praise the Lord at all times. Yes. I have a choice. Absolutely. I get to use the will to make that choice, you know, and sometimes... Mm-hmm. You know, you can relate to David when he's like, God, don't forsake me. Don't leave me here. You know, or when he talks about David talks about his enemies. I have often thought of my chronic symptoms as the, like that, Mm -hmm. like sometimes. Yeah. And that gives you a place to process some of what you're, you know? Oh, that's so good. That analogy is so good because it's like, we, you know, we don't want our emotions to remain toddlers forever. Right. And so, um, but they do inform us. They do, they can inform us about the health of our soul. Um, and even how, you know, how is my spirit doing right now? Like, is that healthy? Am I taking care of, you know, the things that God has called me to take care of and, and we don't ignore them, but we do give them, give them that place. And I think, you know, when we ignore them or when we refuse to look at it, because maybe we don't want to acknowledge that we're angry or that we're sad or that we're disappointed again, because maybe mm-hmm. we feel like God can't handle it. He totally can. Um, but we don't want to go there, right? Cause it's painful. We actually refuse the comfort of the Holy spirit when we do that. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you like as a mom, if one of my kids was hurting and I said, can I hold you? And they, you know, they were to shut me out or push me away. I can't even tell you like, how much that would break my heart, you know? And yet that's, that's God's desire for us is to say, Hey, I want, I want, I need to be able to comfort you here, but it requires a a certain amount of honesty right on our part and saying, I'm not doing so well (laughs) with this process. I need you to help me, God. Um, I need you to step in. And, um, and I think that that just giving that room. And I mean, I went through a season, I think it was last year, um, where Alexis made like all of this just tremendous, amazing progress, which you'd think would be just like joyful. And, you know, it was Mm -hmm. awesome, but I was like smacked upside the head with all of the pain of the last two years that I had not had. I just couldn't process it because we were so in survival mode. And I tried so many different coping tools to get out of that pain and just like, I'm just going to ignore it. It's not really here. And not intentionally, but like subconsciously, you know, I was, you know, kind of trying to perform my way around it when the Lord just said, I just need you to feel it. 
And can I just be with you while you feel this? And I was like, whew, man. Um, but it really did. It was, it was absolutely necessary. And I think when we're talking about chronic illness and, you know, it's not just like having a cold, right. That you get over, it's something that impacts multiple different facets of your life in ways that you can't always articulate to another person. And so when we're willing to acknowledge that and recognize it, and we're not going into the place of self-pity or victim, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's Mm -hmm. a, like, I think about it. Somebody gave me this amazing analogy that was like, if you give yourself a pity party for 30 minutes and it doesn't turn into real grief, it's just a pity party. And Mm -hmm. so I, I do allow myself time to like, I'm going to feel the pity and I'm going to see if there's anything like valid underneath this. Um, And if it's not, then I'm like, okay, that's just victim stuff. I'm going to move over here. Um, We do have to allow ourselves that I think um, to to really feel it. Um, You know, I let, I tell my clients set a time limit. If it feels too overwhelming, give yourself five minutes and then move on. Um, But do give yourself that space because it allows, it allows for the comforter to come in and that place of need, um, is uh there's just something about encountering the long suffering love of Jesus that we can only encounter when we are suffering and yeah. um it's just a facet of who he is that we can't you just you can't access it in joyful celebratory seasons like it's just not the same um but one of the things i kind of wanted to touch on you talked about like the grief and the how i'm talking to myself right and Um, I know for myself, like one of those things is I don't feel great today, but I know that my body is healing. Um, Mm -hmm. I've gotten better before I'll get better this time too. like little things like that, that can kind of anchor. Um, but one of the things that I have seen, it's tripped me up as I know we had a conversation about this like three weeks ago. (laughs) Um, but it also trips up clients that I work with. And that is the removing the shame of how we got there, because sometimes what can happen when we start to take ownership of our healing journey, right. Is, well, gosh, if I had not worked three jobs while I was going to nursing school, if I had truly trusted that God would provide for me, I wouldn't have worked so hard and then burnt myself out. If I had just not Mm -hmm. missed this symptom, we wouldn't be here today. And do you think that that's like a, a normal part of the grief process is kind of reconciling that, that shame piece? Do you feel like that's kind of, kind of wrapped up in there and you just have to untangle it? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I definitely think that it it's so true. And there really is kind of a narrative associated with shame and it, and it really makes the focus ourself. Mm-hmm. If I could have just changed this, if I would have just noticed this, if I had, you know, prepared better for postpartum than I would yes. have suffered that way, whatever the example is. Um, I think shame can just really, it it's focused on our efforts, our abilities, our performance. And so anytime mm. we're partnering with that, we're always going to come up short, right? So I think it is part of working through those things, but then really, like you're saying, we have to come get to that place where we're able to let go of that shame narrative and replace it with something better, like the radical acceptance and love and belonging that Mm. really undo those 
yes narratives absolutely no and I, I I love that you shared that because you know all of this has come out of like a recent experience that I had um which I'll share on a different episode at some point um but I noticed that I was in that I was stuck in that I wasn't stuck there but I was very aware that it was happening like there is definitely a shame narrative happening and I felt the Holy Spirit say you know do you want the shame story or do you want the self-compassion story? And I was like, it did not even occur to me that I could be compassionate towards myself in all of the reasons why like this issue had come about. Right. And so I really did. I had to reconcile in it. It was this, it was almost like a conversation between shame and self-compassion. They were trying to kind of sort things out, right? (laughs) I'm not talking about like different personalities. I'm just talking about like the thoughts were kind of just ping-ponging, you know? And I had to choose. I really had to decide whether or not I was going to let myself off the hook and forgive myself um, and really choose like it. Would I ever shame a client? No. Like, There are so many reasons why people get in the position that they are with their health journey. And I would say the majority of it isn't even up to them. Like some of it is our choices, but you know, others of it, it's circumstances that are completely outside of our control and we're just doing the best we can to, you know, to get, to get out of it. Right. And so that is where, you know, recognizing the need for self-compassion, number one, which means that I also have to be okay recognizing I have a need, number one. Um, and two, it means that I have to be okay with letting myself off the hook, which means I don't get to be a perfectionist, which is hard for a lot of us, right? Um, and then just kind of wrap it up in that radical acceptance, which is there's a million reasons why I got to this place. And I can fully love and accept myself the way that Christ loves, loves and accepts me. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. I'm going to camp here. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not going to stay, you know, I'm not going to stay stuck because that's not that, you know, says we go from glory to glory as we're changed into his image and likeness. And so there's no way I could stay stuck unless I choose to, um, which isn't going to happen. But I, I think that, um, that we also, we have to recognize when that shame tape is playing because it's a terrible motivator. It might, motivate us into performance. Um, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't ever, at least in my experience, um, for myself doesn't ever, um, lead to that long lasting change, right. That we're looking for that actually gives us some resilience, um, in, in the journeys that we're walking through. So I love that you talked about that. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm never going to forget the kids in the back seat. And that's just the season of life that we're in though, right? <laughs> the emotions. Um, it's so true. Well, do you have any parting thoughts um, on navigating, you know, navigating chronic illness and, um, and really choosing hope in the midst of that um, or getting yourself to a place of hope if you're not quite there yet? Um, do you have any kind of final thoughts with that today? Yeah, I think it really just comes back to remembering that it is a journey and there's always more to learn and grow and giving ourselves permission to be on the journey and to not have it all figured out right away, you know? Um, And then also just like we were talking about finding that eternal source of hope and peace and joy so good when our eyes get focused on the symptoms and the things we're frustrated with 
it really is a skill of learning how to shift the focus and the yes. attention to those other things. I think those are two probably of like the really like take home points or, you know, yes. things that I would most want people to know when it comes to this topic. Absolutely. And I think you actually shared this with me. I think you said this uh, in one of our millions of conversations, but (laughs) it was something to the effect of, it was such a good reminder for me in the moment. Um, It was something to the effect of when we, you know, when there's like these, we'll just call them a flare, right? Like a a regression, a flare, um, new symptoms creep up, problems you thought were resolved aren't actually resolved. Um, it's an opportunity for more healing, right? We can look at it as a step back, but it's really not that it, it is an opportunity for more healing. And I know for myself, when I get in that, like, I just kind of get in my own head about things, um, or in my own body about it. Like, oh, I'm just frustrated with everything. Um, I can flip, if I can flip it to that, that part mm-hmm. of, no, this is actually, this is an opportunity for more healing, then we can actually partner with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I partner with you in this area of my life right now? What is the, what's the one thing I can do today that's going to partner with you? Cause it, it does feel like trying to eat an elephant, like all at once, right? <laughs> when really yeah. we, we can't do that. And so, um, I loved, I just wanted to point out that you shared that with me and it helped me so much because we do, you know, I can hyper-focus sometimes being, knowing what I know it's enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but not always enough to fix myself. <laughs> and so, uh, we need those reminders that it's okay, you know, and this is, if we look at it as a step back, we're going to feel discouraged. If we look at it as an opportunity, that word feels very different, right? Yes. It's that perspective shift that keeps us really in a place of being powerful and in a place of being able to take personal responsibility. And also, like you said, that perspective shift is what allows us to tap into a solutions oriented conversation with God. Like you're saying, like, I can't fix it all, you know, all at once, or I can't make this go away, but what's one thing I can do. I love that you said that. Cause I think the journey through chronic symptoms can be so overwhelming or, or just tiring at times. And so remembering like, okay, what's one thing I can do? Yes. That's a great place to start. I'm glad you said that. No, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Cause you were the one that, that actually reminded me of that a couple weeks ago. Well, I know we're going to have you on here again in the future, but would you mind sharing with people how they can find you? Um, if they're wanting to work with you postpartum or otherwise, um, I'll obviously put that in the show notes as well, but I would just love for you to share. Yeah. So I can be found on Instagram at Stephanie Overstreet. And then I also have a website, stephanieoverstreet.com and um, would love to connect in either of those ways. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on here today. I know that we will probably have a, you know another five conversations at least come out of this episode. Um, but I can't wait to thank share you with everybody. Me. Absolutely. Well, have a great rest of your day and thank you everybody for listening. Mm-hmm.